Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 46 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Seven Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Professor Brad Jackson. Brad Jackson is Professor of Public and Community Leadership at Victoria University of Wellington, where he was the former Head of School of Government and Head of School of Management. At the University of Auckland Business School, he was co-director of the New Zealand Leadership Institute. Brad has published six books, Management Gurus and Management Fashions, The Hero Manager, Organisational Behaviour in New Zealand, a very short, fairly interesting and reasonably cheap book about studying leadership, Demystifying Business Celebrity and Revitalising Leadership. He has also co-edited The Sage Handbook of Leadership and Major Works in Leadership. He is a former co-editor of the journal Leadership and the former vice chair of the Akina Foundation and the International Leadership Association. So in today's podcast, we'll discuss Brad's insights on leadership within social enterprises. We'll get Brad's thoughts and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and we'll hear what Brad believes can be done by both universities and government to create stronger opportunities for positive social change. Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Kira Tom, it's a real pleasure. So to kick things off, Brad, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to academia and specialising in leadership within the social enterprise sector? Yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey. I originally was a geographer. Uh, My bachelor's and master's were in the area and uh, I moved from the UK to Canada to do my Master of Arts at the University of British Columbia. After that, I uh, became very heavily engaged in adult and kids education uh, based in Calgary and Banff uh, in Alberta, Canada, and it was a wonderful area to work. And that's where I got, you know, I suppose the combination of my postgraduate studies in neighborhood and community change in Vancouver and then looking at the power of continuous and adult learning in uh, communities and businesses and government. Uh, and so I suppose I have a sort of lifelong interest in, in promoting uh, healthier communities and healthier workplaces through through learning. Yeah. I embarked on my PhD at the University of Lancaster in my mid-30s and uh, completed a thesis on management gurus and management fashions, uh, which enabled me to move to, to Wellington, New Zealand. And at that point, I discovered leadership as an area of research and education and, and, and development. So I came to it a little later in my career than, uh, than most, mm. but I realized that that was always my passion. And most recently, moving into the School of Government, what I've been particularly focused on is uh, public and, and community leadership. Uh, I was New Zealand's first and only professor of leadership. <laughs> so I basically had to be a very much a generalist engaged in all sectors. But mm. more recently, I've become focused on the public and community sector. There are now three other professors of leadership who can share the load. 
But the bottom line, uh, my lifelong fascination is how do groups, communities, organisations, cities, sec uh, sectors, countries find a common identity, a common purpose in a common direction. Mm. To me, that's the critical contribution that leadership makes. So, uh, and in particular, when that works and when that doesn't work so well. So long-winded answer, but it's been a journey, but there are some common threads throughout. Yeah, there certainly are. And it's, it's a really interesting story, Brad. So as the former head of School of Government at Victoria University of Wellington, you also coordinate a course called Leading Social Enterprise. So what have you learned from teaching this course and how do you think students best learn these leadership skills? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, uh, there aren't many privileges associated with being a head of School of Government, but actually being able to volunteer to teach in the summer. Mm. It came from my work uh, on the Akina board uh, in New Zealand, which and Akina is charged with, you know, promoting the growth of social enterprise in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Yeah. And it's interesting, I came across social enterprise through that governance work originally. Mm. Uh, because of my role as head of school of government, they were looking for an academic who had connections with government. Yeah. And at that point, I thought there was a wonderful opportunity to, to offer an undergraduate course in the public policy realm to our students who are from the humanities, so political science students, yep. sociologists, etc., as well as law students, business students, etc., uh, in an intensive summer uh, format. But what most excited me about social enterprise is its sort of commitment, obviously, to social change, social betterment, but the importance of being able to draw on and to connect, to link these very different sectors, so the private, mm. the public, the not-for-profit, and in our case, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, the iwi, the indigenous Maori sector. Yeah. And so it's that challenge of being able to work and connect and to encourage students to uh, basically not only appreciate but relish the opportunity to engage with these different sectors in order to be able to advance the public and the, and, and the social good. Mm. So as far as teaching, we, Alex Hannant, and Alex Hannant is the chief executive of, of Akina, we, we, we co-teach the course. In fact, we draw on the Akina Foundation staff who run you know, incubators, uh, accelerators throughout the country. So we draw on their expertise. And essentially, we challenge the students to create uh, a business plan for a social enterprise in, in five weeks. So there's a sort of a, a sense of urgency, a sense of challenge. But... What we particularly do is encourage them to think conceptually, to take that huge, that big picture global, get a real appreciation for social enterprise on a, on a global basis, but keep making connections to the challenges that they're facing right here in the, in the Wellington context. Mm. And, you know, uh, try to, if you like, instill, in addition to the knowledge, some skill development yeah. to help them build their case uh, for in, in, in the final presentations. And so... The thing that I'm most satisfied from it is there are, you know, a number of humanities students, and of course I was a humanities uh, social science student originally, who have a sort of an inbuilt knee-jerk reaction to anything associated with business. Mm. And in five weeks, they be, I wouldn't say they become, you know, corporate uh, <laughs> zealots, but <laughs> they do recognize the importance of and appreciate that good business with good objectives and good purposes actually can be a really important engine uh, mm. for, for, for social change. So just making that transformation 
and getting them to think about a career where they would actively want to engage with different sectors as they move through the the career is probably the most powerful learning that I that I've seen. Yes, yeah, uh, from from the students. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it's funny you mentioned Alex Hannon as well. Cause we'll be speaking to him in a few weeks' time, so that'll be great to hear his oh, perspectives as well. So, Brad, you, you recently wrote a soon-to-be-released paper called The Distinctive Challenges and Opportunities for Creating Leadership Within Social Enterprises. So what were your key arguments within that paper? Yeah, uh, it was a kind of a crossover paper. I seem to specialise in crossover, so in other words, connecting fields that historically have been working in reasonable isolation and and so in social enterprise a lot of the focus quite rightly has been on entrepreneurship Mm. uh, you know on articulating performance on articulating goals etc and uh, but not that much on the leadership process and even less on the governance of, Mm. of, of social enterprise and yet from my home field which is leadership studies I haven't seen any or very limited acknowledgement of the social enterprise as a distinctive leadership context. Mm. Now, what makes the connection even more powerful and I think even more timely is, you know, as you see, social enterprise has moved from being a fringe uh, movement to more of a, you know, a mainstream movement that actually the leadership challenges were always difficult, but actually they've become that much more complex. Mm. And the need to create a kind of cross-sectoral uh, context for social enterprise has really lifted the uh, the governance leadership challenges. What's really exciting about the field of leadership studies is that uh, I'm smiling because I've just finally submitted the third version of the very short book on lead studying leadership yeah. is that has come of age to be much more focused on collective distributed leadership as opposed to the traditional sort of heroic top-down notions mm. visionary uh, leadership so intellectually an awful lot of those that study leadership studies are much better aligned with those who are engaged in social enterprise, both you know in ideological terms, but also in um, you know in, in, in their operational yep. uh, modus operandi. So actually, I think I think the timing is is right, and I think both fields will be the richer for that integration, for that rapprochement. I hope so. Anyway, that's that's the intention. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. So, Brad, what do you think are one of the most common leadership issues then that you've come across which sees organisations performing really ineffectively? That list is probably longer than the, the list in terms of, of effectiveness. I mean, I think one of the most important things is, is creating you know, a shared sense of what good leadership is and how it is created and what are the responsibilities for everybody. Mm. Not only within the organisation, but also beyond. My favourite leadership thinker, Keith Grint, talks about the need to think of leadership as an essentially contested concept, but like power. Mm. Uh, It's something that is always in play. It's always being constructed. And this is why the title of the social enterprise paper is around creating. And it was funny, the reviewers were saying to us, what do you mean by creating leadership? Well, the way I look at it is it's a a 24-7 task, not only for, quote, the formally appointed leaders, but those who, quote, uh, are in non or following roles, etc. But also, I see the influence of governance. I mean, it's really powerful in terms of setting the context mm. for leadership, and not only thinking about leadership within the social enterprise, but more, more, more critically, leadership throughout you know, the organisation 
in its much broader uh, context. So if you were to say to me, you know, what are the provinces? I think there are those that have a very circumscribed idea about what leadership is and whose responsibility it is. Mm. Uh, not only those that are in a more con- kind of conventional organizational settings, but also those that work in social enterprise, because, you know, a number of them have basically opted out of corporate settings or government settings because they don't want to do the, you know, the traditional top-down hierarchical leadership. And yeah. What I'm trying to argue is, is to say that that's not the only way leadership can be practiced. You know, to argue that there is no room for, quote, structure or any form of hierarchy because that's the only way you get effective leadership. I'm, I, I challenge that, though. So, yeah, it's, it's me. It's really getting a sense about the responsibility to ensure that the group, the organization, actually has a clear sense of who it is why it's here and where it needs to move mm. and to create an environment where that's constant being not so much negotiated, I think is pretty vital, but we often get very trapped by our models of leadership. I think there's going to be some very narrow minded thinking. I think, you know, one of the things I've tried to do is to, is to challenge people's assumptions and to open up and to also to, you know, to develop their own distinctive ways of creating leadership that are, that are integral to who, who they are and what they believe in. Mm, yeah, certainly. Some really great insights there, Brad. So as former vice chair of the Arkina Foundation in New Zealand then, you've obviously got some, some great understanding of the social enterprise sector over there. So how have you seen that sector transform and change over the last five years or so, and where do you see it heading? Yeah, well, it's a, you know, a wonderful time to ask that question because, as we were talking earlier, I had the great, great privilege of being one of the 1,600 plus who gathered at the Social Enterprise World Forum in, mm. in, in Christchurch here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and Akina played a critical role, role along with many other partners in hosting as the ninth uh, World Forum. And they were, um, among the 1,600 from 44 different countries, there was a, a sense of how far we had come as a country as mm. far as social enterprise, but also to sort of recognise that, you know, we, we can step back, but actually the really serious work is now in play. Yeah. When I talked to Alex, who has this sort of, you know, global view, in some respects, uh, New Zealand was a little later in terms of coming into, you know, developing a social enterprise ecosystem, say, compared to the likes of Scotland, England, Canada, Australia, the US, etc., yeah. and other countries like Korea, for example, Taiwan. But and the advantage that we have in New Zealand with only four and a half million is that we have the ability and we have a very outward focus in terms of we do look a lot around the, the rest of the world. We've been able to learn about what's worked really well in those ecosystems and what. And so we've been able to move forward reasonably quickly, uh, I believe. Mm. And certainly from the vantage point of the Akina board, and, and I'll tell you, I've had a number of government's experiences, but that by far has been the finest mm. uh, experience because you have business brains, you have government brains, you have NGO brains, EWI brains around the, 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 the table there, yeah. is that uh, some days, you know, you think you're well ahead, moving ahead, and then, then there are these setbacks, things don't come through, etc. And so, the thing it's a you can overestimate estimate the, the the you know the progress that's that, that's been made, but 
overall in terms of the you know we anticipate we've estimated about 2000 social enterprises in the country akina has worked with with 700 so it is growing mm. and what's interesting has been a lot of terrific individual small organization effort but we are now starting to build a kind of whole of system ecosystem that involves government that involves corporate partners that mm. involves we too so it, uh, transform might be a too too strong a word, but certainly I've seen a you know a kind of a collective will and a sense that uh, this we have reached a stage where this is not going away, and in actual fact we need to start contemplating how we start to mainstream social enterprise, you know, where it mm. becomes uh, the new norm as opposed to. A, you know, provocative uh, outlier. Yeah. Uh, so I think that making that transition is going to be really, really, really critical, not only even in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but also throughout the rest of the world uh, too. Yeah, most certainly. Brad, so, so what steps then do you believe government need to take then to help foster and support this innovative social sector? You know, that's something we, Akina, have been working assiduously with the uh, with, with the government here in New Zealand to to develop a cross-government strategy, and we've actually got to that stage mm. because one of the things that is interesting is, you know, which agencies or departments should take responsibility. You know, where where where, where does it lie? And and the whole power of social enterprises is it's an in- integrative exercise, mm. and so. One of the things that we've worked hard on is not only you know de- you know getting a strong political understanding about what the opportunities are with social enterprise and what are the resource requirements, et cetera, and also being clear about what it's not. I think yeah. that's a very important thing and what it can't do um, is also working with the you know the policy leaders and the you know and the various CEs of the agencies to ensure they understand. And they get a, a better a feel for what social enterprise can achieve or, or, or can't achieve. So we've put in a lot of effort and time, not only uh, from Akina, but there's been a task force that's worked through to create a national. And it's taken time, but I think that is time that's been very well spent. Mm. And, you know, in the process of uh, hoping to secure some funding for the entire uh, sector too. But yep. I think one of the things that I've really been, you know, generally been thinking about government is that there is this idea that, you know, it needs to be, quote, the hub for everything. And yet what I try to encourage them is to take a kind of a nodal perspective in terms of their their role. They are, and really good government uh, roles are actually, they they can provide some sort of the broad play field, the playing ground and uh, some of the, uh, quote, financial support, et cetera, and and the long-term commitment to to, to fostering the ecosystem. But they also need to make sure they create the space for, you know, the NGO sector, the private sector, EWI sector to to, to take ownership as as well. So they can become, you know, they can, I guess the the buzzword is around co-production or co-co-design. But Mm. um, I I think it's a tough balance because, you know, there's, you know, there's a sense of potential risk. Yeah. There's a, you know, the temptation to want to, 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 you know, completely regulate or, and to, to, to build accountability mechanisms, et cetera. But getting that tension right uh, between letting go, but also, and supporting, but also guiding, I think is, is, is really important. And and I I, I feel that we've, all the work we've put in, uh, uh, I think will 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 pay off in in, in New Zealand. Certainly, that you know our prime minister, current prime minister, of course, we're waiting for, you know, a decision about who Mm. will lead the the next government. Um, Bill English 
certainly gets the you know the importance of social enterprise as part of a sort of a broader quote social investment social innovation yeah. strategy which our government's committed to so i i would say it's something that um you know, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes a lot of patience. But I think it, it. But the important thing is to create a whole of government and a whole of social enterprise system strategy, and that's I think we've we've got quite close to to that here, and I'm I'm hoping that's going to pay off in the in the years to come. Yeah, let's let's hope for that. So, Brad, you mentioned co-design just before. So, how do you believe communities? can most effectively be engaged by councils or governments in order to co-design these effective responses to complex problems? To be honest, that's my passion in terms of the research these days because mm. what I've become really, I mean, you know, I've been on research and study leave and we spent time in the UK and Brazil and Australia where I, where I met you and uh, is the sort of power of place yep. as a really important anchoring idea around leadership initiatives to tackle problems at the coalface you know that's where mm-hmm. they um and to ensure that you build that kind of coalition of you know community leaders local central government and private sector and indigenous leaders to you know work on the problem but to start at a fairly small level to mm-hmm. you know something that is actually particularly significant for that particular place yep build some confidence around that, start to build in some governance arrangements to sustain uh, that, that that effort and, uh, and to really learn and appreciate what each of those partners can bring to the table. And, uh, you know, I, to me, that that is the really important. And, and who are the drivers here? Well, in my experience, you know, the, the NGO leaders and sometimes the business leaders are actually the ones that uh, are able to kind of initiate, take, mm-hmm. take the initiative. But, but uh, you know, government and the government levels can actually play a very, you know, a kind of a supporting and a guiding uh, role and a support, you know, a kind of a create the infrastructure uh, for that to sustain that particular yeah. effort. So co-design, there are various frameworks that have been designed, but what's really impressed in me is the sort of, a lot of it's about the artistry, you know, the individual and the willingness for groups to take chances, to take risks, but to open up and to, to really work together with frequently the most unlikely allies uh, mm. to tackle these issues. And usually a rule of thumb for me is if I ask community groups and say, well, who would you create most surprise from from people who know you uh, to work with? That usually then gives, you, it gives them a sense that they're actually taking this seriously. They're going to that next step. Mm. So I suppose it's the, the the phrase, the old phrase might have been unlikely bedfellows. You know, who, yeah. who are those to come together to tackle that? But I'm very impressed by the whole power of place and purpose and leadership. And I'm encouraging uh, people to move away from the kind of whole personality in positional obsession around leadership and actually saying it starts where you are and one of the key acts of leadership is actually define what is what is important as far as place and purpose mm. is concerned yeah absolutely so what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently then brad which are creating positive social change i mean i'm sure you've got a huge list after being at the yeah. social enterprise world forum well, you know, close to home for you. Uh, you know, I was in Brisbane uh, for, for for two months, and uh, I was being hosted by the Policy Innovation Hub at Griffith University. And Griffith is a founding partner of the Logan Together Initiative. Mm. And you know, Logan is 
you know, city in southeast Queensland that is a number of you know, distinctive you know, social, political and cultural uh, challenges. But what's really impressive is they focused on, uh, again, it's about a place, but they've actually said there's something distinctive that we want to tackle in this particular place, and it's around children, and particularly, you know, from the years zero to, to eight. Mm. And they've identified some very key metrics that they want to, to tackle mm. over a 10-year period. And what what's exciting is they brought again, you know, this going to this notion of unusual bedfellows, but they've got they brought business, they've brought uh, government, local, central, and uh, indigenous, and they are probably the most diverse, I think it's the most diverse city in in, in, in Australia, one of them anyway. Mm. So they brought very distinctive NGO uh, cultural groups, but. What I found particularly exciting is that Griffith University uh, has been a key contributor, a key partner, but also a host to a number of the initiatives there. And I really enjoyed working with the the academics from across, you know, whether it's criminology, from psychology, from health, from politics, from housing, from city, you know, to actually come up with cross-disciplinary you know, a understanding the problem, but also solutions for the problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's still relatively early days. I think it's been in, in the pro, the pro it's been going for three years, but I was very excited by that, and I felt that that would be, that was a very rich example of um, you know place based leadership. Yeah, most certainly. It's it's a really interesting initiative, and, and one that I'm I've heard about before. So it'll be interesting to track that as we move forward. So, Brad, to finish off, then as an author yourself, I'm looking forward to hearing. Which books you'd recommend to our listeners? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, it's it's funny in social enterprises. It's finding a, a kind of core text in social enterprise. We found it really, really difficult. Mm. Uh, a because the field is just changing so remarkably, yeah. and there are so many great you know resources from practitioners, from agencies, etc. So, but we we have historically used the the text Understanding Social Enterprise that's uh, written by Rory Ridley Duff and Mike Bull. Mm-hmm. And you know what's what's great about that text is that they do a great job of anchoring social enterprise in its historic roots. You know, in the in the corporate cooperative uh, uh, collective uh, movement there, yeah. and they sort of and they provide a very good global perspective too. Because one of the things that we ask our students to do is to study a social enterprise ecosystem, uh, whether it's in a city or a, or, or a country. We want them to get a sense of a huge variety. One thing, we, we have a caveat, though, when we ask them is they cannot uh, study Scotland because, you know, Scotland is the kind of gold standard of social enterprise. And mm-hmm. they keep saying, why can't New Zealand be more like Scotland? <laughs> but the, the, the book I most enjoyed uh, throughout my, my, my sabbatical, which is, you know, it sounds a kind of off-field, off, off but it's just... Um, uh, it just really got back to what's what's really important when it comes to so, you know social enterprise or any social endeavour. It's by uh, Theodore Zeldin, who's based at uh, Cambridge, and it's called An Intimate History of Humanity, mm. and uh, it's basically drawing you know an amazing array of historic, literary academic sources, but also drawing on many interviews that were conducted with many, uh, I think primarily with with French uh, women. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, I just thought it was just a beautiful way of, you know, of saying at the end of the day, how do we foreground the kind of richness and the wealth of, of humanity? Uh, and 
and, and in a way we call it social enterprise but a, in a part of what i'm excited about in about the movement generally is that it sort of foregrounds humanity so we could call it you know quote human enterprise mm. <laughs> uh but of course the collective endeavor means it's social but i've actually thoroughly enjoyed the that, that I've been dipping into it throughout the the, the, the time, but you know, so that's Theodore Zeldin, Z Z A E L D I N, an intimate history of humanity. So, mm. well, they sound like some really interesting reads, Brad. So we'll stick them in a list at the bottom of your article. Brad, yeah. you've you've been very very generous with your time and insights today. Thanks so much for speaking to us, and we'll look forward to touching base with you again in the future. Oh, it's been a complete pleasure, Tom, and thanks to you and all of your wonderful colleagues in South East Queensland for being such a wonderful host, and uh, good luck with your work, and good luck for all of those that were at the uh, Social Enterprise World Forum. Sorry I didn't get to meet uh, you there, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the whole theme of the Social Enterprise Forum was about creating uh, our, our, our tomorrow, and the, the Maori phrase for, for that is ka koroki te manu. And uh, that's what it's really all about, is creating our tomorrow. And, you know, the impact boom plays a really critical role in doing that. So please keep up the excellent work, Tom. Thanks so much, Brad. We'll speak soon. Take care, mate. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.